I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time. We did it. We're here. Jess, it's been forever since I've actually seen you, huh? I know. God damn. I know. What have you been up to? Oh, man. Oh, God. I mean, where, where does one even start? I mean... 2020, am I right? Are you telling me? Where are we starting? I don't know, man. So what's... Okay, so... Uh, what's the last you've heard of me? So I know where to kind of... Yeah, so I remember you were you were hosting. You were doing like different shows. You were part of like the MTL blog scene also at one point too. Mm-hmm. Um, and music. My biggest thing with you is music. Mm-hmm. I like the way you sing. So oh, that's what I want to talk about. I want to see what are you up to? What kind of... Maybe you're ready to drop something. I don't know. I don't know what you're up to. Okay, well, uh, the past year, I've been in and out of California. Okay. I've been freelancing, working with a lot of different brands and companies. Uh, my latest venture was with this B Corp European crowdfunding comp- company called Ulule, or Ulule, as they say in French. Ulule. <laughs> and uh, I was like ex- essentially their their creative director and the face of the company for the U.S. Oh, part. Shit. So that was a huge, that was a huge deal for me. And it's kind of, uh, I got thrown into the situation of like, you got to sink or swim. But I've been in the entertainment industry my entire life. So it's literally all I know. If I'm not on stage hiding behind a ginormous acoustic guitar, I'm going to be either in front of the camera being self-deprecating or behind the camera producing the shit. Sorry, can we swear? Of course, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this is my show. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, for the past year, I've been in and out of Cali working with Warner Brothers Entertainment uh, f- where I got to kind of be in and around the L.A. comedy scene, which was like a total dream for me, like a total dream for me. And... Uh, we got to work with the Lakers, and then our biggest client was Bank of the West out in California. Okay. I mean, we were ready like we were ready to open an office out there, and then March came around, and then it was like overnight, yeah, everything changed. We went from having these huge networking events and entrepreneurial get-togethers and parties, and I was in Silicon Valley, like in. <laughs> multi-billion dollar mansions i had no business being in i mean look at me <laughs> no, no you had business being there we're, we're taking over we're, we're going in we're not supposed to I, I remember i had to ask my my camera woman if she had a blazer for me because i was walking in there with like my faux leather fucking hot <laughs> pants and hooker boots and i with my tits out about to interview some like woman executive from paramount pictures being like what the fuck is my life right but uh, fake it till you make it, and yeah. everything was all good until it was not all good. And then I, it's like I felt like I literally had the Quebec, uh, the Quebec government issue. Like it felt like they issued my warrant home so that I could come home and quarantine. How was that? Because you were away when it happened, right? I was away. I was in San Francisco, where it went from one day it was all hugs and kisses, 
and you know, schmoozing and boozing and being invited to these crazy parties with like Moe champagne to the next day being like, no touchy, yeah. no touch. Uh, everything got canceled, especially everything corporate because everything is really. Yeah, they all get scared. They don't oh, want to be responsible. They all get so fucking scared and it's all politics. And so everything got canceled. We had to go home. And then weeks later, all of those clients never re-signed. And so. <laughs> Story of my life, yeah. Yeah. And so this year in particular, the past three months for me have been probably the craziest time of my life. I don't know. Good crazy, bad crazy. Like bad. Oh, <laughs> I mean, fuck, I know, really? I know 2020 has been rough on everybody. And I'm not saying that I'm like a special case by any means. I'm actually quite fortunate that I get to do what I love. Even though I'm jobless or freelancing at the moment, I always find a way to make it work. And I realize that I'm very privileged. But um, so in March, I got back home from California. Decided... Oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This is a great time to break up with my boyfriend of like 10 years. Uh, it doesn't sound like the best time. <laughs> so break up with my partner of 10 years, decide to move out to the plateau, swanky part of town for those. This is during the, pa you're like, listen. Oh yeah, during the old pandy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, move into an apartment I cannot afford uh, to be closer to my work as creative director because I'm thinking like, okay, we got to find a way to spruce things up because Make we it just, work. yeah, we just lost California. Uh, and then, uh, a month after moving into my new place, lost my job <laughs> Fuck. as creative director for this crazy, cool crowdfunding. And you call them back. You're like, look, I'm about to break up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and then a myriad of fucking health issues start occurring as well. So I just find myself in this like, oh, this is such a rut. Uh, Murphy's Law, right? Like when it rains, it pours. And uh, so I'm currently still finding myself in that situation. But uh, I put it out there, you know, like Jess Sabrin's back on the market in more ways than one. And <laughs> thankfully, I, I thought I was going to have to like rebuild all my connections out here in Montreal. But I've been very lucky, I guess. And yeah, I, you still know people. You still got yeah, friends. Yeah, I was really fortunate. I had so many people reach out to me that I had to start kind of picking and choosing what projects I was going to end up doing. And so that's what I'm doing now. I know your first question was related to music. Yes, I'm still doing music. Obviously, I haven't played a live show in forever. Well, the fuck has? Um, but I'm creating music for licensing, you know, uh, music for, you know, video games. Yeah, so that they can scores. use it. They, yeah. Okay, so original stuff for them. I mean, that's where the money's at, really. Sadly, that is where the money's at. But yeah. you, goddamn, the way you sing, too, it's <laughs> your own shit. That's what, that's what I like. That's what I like. That's what I think is good. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. What's the comedy scene been like? Well, here. Yeah. Well, here it kind of died. I mean, it's, it rose up a bit over the summer when they let us come out. Yeah. And I don't, I'm kind of in a weird spot, too. Like, I'm not in the comedy scene. I used to be here in Montreal. I'm kind of in a different area now so i kind of got lucky like uh when there was limited spots i would get them when we came back yeah so for me as soon as everything opened up i was like oh shit everything's back to normal so i kind of took it for granted yeah and even the last week i didn't know that everything was gonna shut down so i even turned down a gig i was like ah i'll take this weekend off i've been doing you know comedy five nights a week for the past couple of months yeah. and that was the last gig i could have done then everything shut down again i had no idea 
So, but it's just, you know, the comedy scene kind of, it's dead for now, but there's podcasting. There's, if you had set up yourself online, you could still interact with your fans, do something. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't. So that's what sucks. What have you been, what has been your experience with the creative community out here? Cause I've been part of my job at, uh, Ulule was, uh, I had to do the, like when the first round of the pandemic hit and the lockdown I orchestrated this online virtual concert like across the U.S. called and I did not title it this this was not me it was called the please don't stop the music virtual tour a bunch of nerds (laughs) bunch of nerds but I had to orchestrate and operate that and interview all of these artists from across the U.S. who are doing these online virtual concerts and I'm telling you like 90 8% of the creative artistic community has been like, hey, Jess, I'm feeling low-key pretty guilty about this, but I'm killing it creatively. Like, the creative community, as far as I know and what I'm hearing, is that people are feeling insanely inspired and motivated and created, creative. And uh, I have to say, I've been feeling that way too, and I don't know where it's coming from. It's coming from the dark place of it, it looks like everything's ending. We felt like it was the end of the world. Yeah. So what do we do, right? We make something out of nothing. Do what we do best. Yeah, it's been a year of nothing. So we would create. The problem is sometimes we don't have an outlet. So I'm lucky. I consider myself very lucky. I can create and have an outlet. I have people that are watching. I could create a sketch, a fucking show. I could put it up there, a podcast. People are going to watch it. But imagine creating something and there's no one there to see it. To me, that's, a, that's, that's fucking weird because I'm used to showcasing everything just here. Yeah. This is what I have for you. Check it out. Let me know what you think. If that doesn't exist, that's what I find weird. So people who are just starting to get into comedy or music, let's say open micers, the fact that you close that door for them and they don't have that outlet, that's super frustrating. That, I, I don't like to hear about that. That makes me, that makes me sad. Yeah. But the fact that, shit, man, we've got nothing else to do. you got all this free time. Make something. I'm all for that. I'm with you. I think uh, this is the time to create. Yeah, I think so too. It's been very fruitful for me anyway. I've, I mean, I've created more. I mean, I'm limited because I don't have my, my band anymore. I usually have my guys in Montreal and then my, my other more like alt-rock prog band in Toronto. What happened to your band in Montreal? I'm still with, so I don't know if you are familiar or have seen my Instagram, uh, but my friend Steve, Steven Voice. Okay. Black guy with crazy oh, with the hair. pineapple hair. With yeah, the hair, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like my my best friend. Like that's the, fucking cool hair. You let him know I said that. Yeah, he he also needs a haircut. And I <laughs> hope. I hope. Is that the camera? Yeah. I hope anyone who's listening can go on his Instagram and let him know to shave that fucking thing off. Cut your hair, hippie. It's time. Yo, I don't even know how Steve sees anymore. I mean, it was cute. It was cool. It had the whole... The, I liked it. The but, man is a salmon. He swims upstream. We can't yeah. change him now. But you know what happens to salmon that swim upstream? The bears get them? Yeah. yeah. They lay their eggs and die. Yes. <laughs> and the coons get them. Yeah, sure. Raccoons fucking... Do raccoons <laughs> eat fucking salmon? Oh, they, they're garbage animals. When I think of raccoons, I always think of dumps. Like, I always think they're in the city. But you're right. They're probably in the goddamn wild as well. Oh, yeah. It's where I grew up. <laughs> and there was raccoons around... Uh, oh, yeah. See, I thought they were a city pest. No, no, no. They're, they're all over. They're, they're like the roaches of the land. Is it weird that I find raccoons cute? They're my favorite animal. Because they look like burglars. I kid, I kid you not. They're my favorite animal ever since I was a child. They hold stuff. Yeah. Which, like, I'm very, like, with little animals, I really like that. Like, they're very cute. Mm. They hold stuff with their hands. You know, like, I they see them on the mountain. They food before they eat it. It's crazy. It's nuts. I used to have this stuffed raccoon 
from like Pocahontas, like you know that like that little raccoon in Pocahontas, that Disney movie. Yeah. Um, wow, I don't know where I'm going with that. I was literally just about to say I loved raccoons so much that growing up. I want to hear it. I used to hump my stuffed raccoon. To hump your stuffed okay? That's the, I wasn't expecting that. That was that was a left turn. I appreciate it. Oh God, I swear I'm sober. Maybe I'm too sober. Yeah, some, you know, my thing is I have to be sober if I'm doing a show. Yeah. So, but I, most of my friends, like when they're on stage, they have to be a little tipsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that balance you find. If I get a little tipsy, I'm not the same guy on stage. So it's a... Uh, yeah. Mine it's, is sober. I have to be sober. I got to be thinking. I got to be quick. It's a weird balance. Usually when I perform, I usually have like a, a pint with me on stage and I'm already like two glasses of wine deep. But is that how you're comfortable? Is that how yeah. you find yourself in the zone? Yeah. But it's a fine balance. I can't get too liquored up because then I get sloppy. You don't um, want to slur your words and yeah. But I have insane, like insane crippling anxiety with anything I do, with anything that I'm good at, <laughs> essentially, uh, just because I'm so insecure about it and the judgment and the fear. I've chosen quite the career path for myself for someone who's actually so like introverted. You're not the first person to say that sitting in that chair, which is crazy. I have different, you know, comedians, different artists, and you're not the first person. I mean, I have anxiety too, so it's uh, it's weird. That, but sometimes you don't choose it. It just you're just doing what you like, and then it grows. Like I'm sure you didn't think, you know, I'm gonna do a career in music. You were just getting better and better. You were good, and then you were doing shows, and then you know everything. It just happens. That's what happened to me. At least everything just happened. It I was, was like, what the fuck am I doing a choice here? for me. Yeah. It was something that that started. I don't know what seed was planted or when, but it started very, very young for me. I knew that this was the only path for me. Sucked at school. Not really good at much else. If I wasn't going to be on stage performing music, I knew that a life in the entertainment industry was going to be... It, 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 it's the only thing for me. So there, I've never questioned it ever. Do you have friends in the industry who are like, man, do you ever think about just hanging it all up and just like fuck it and, you know, those who can't do teach type of thing? Yeah, well, I have, I have very successful friends that say that. I've uh, never, it, for, me, it, for me, it's never but crossed if, my mind. If you reach a certain level, then I can understand. Like, you know what I don't like? I, I'm in a weird spot because I like being able to do my craft, mm -hmm. right? I love that. But I don't want to be famous. And there's a weird line where it's unavoidable. Like people are going to know you whether you like it or not because you can't have one without the other. So I find myself in that weird spot where I don't like to get recognized. I don't like to, to be famous. But if I don't continue growing, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. So it's like this weird, I just want to do it. And when it's done, like let's say I'm on stage. Yeah. When I, when I, when I perform, while I'm performing, I want you to know me, have fun. It's, the second that's over, I want it to be like a job where they don't know me. I'm, it's like, you know, Clark Head, he puts his glasses on. Nobody knows who I am. That's I, so I, interesting. Being a character and a persona on stage. And I'm just, not. It's just me. It's yeah. just me. On, that's the weird thing. So I can't separate. So then when people meet me, yeah, they're like, you're the same guy. Ask, ask. Yeah, I was curious. I was like, do you, so do you have a persona or are you an extension of yourself or are you you at maybe like 120% instead of 100%? It's me at 11. It's just me loud. So yeah. I'll just focus on things that make me angry and I find funny. Mm -hmm. But it's always me. So I can even sometimes continue a conversation I was having backstage right when I get on stage, like I was just talking about it and then I'll bring it up. And I'll, so it's just, it's just me, which makes it weird. Cause it's hard for me to separate. Cause no one's like, Oh, I like that character you do. They're always like, Hey Pantels, I agree with this or I don't agree with this or, and I can't, I can't separate the two cause it's all me. So that's what makes it tricky. Cause I don't like the, it's, I don't like getting recognized. Every time it happens, it gets fucking weird. <gasps> and for me inside, I don't like it. Yeah. But my friend Poseidon, who we started bringing along with us and all that, 
this guy doesn't have a skill that he's using on stage, but he loves getting recognized and taking photos. Yeah. So we're two opposites in, in that end. Wow. Yeah. He loves the, just take pictures of him all day. He's going to be happy. Yeah, I relate. I relate as, as someone who's like the face of very many things and living. Yeah, you're, you're in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I just uh, like, what what is that called? Like I'm an introverted extrovert, meaning like, I need my recharge time at home. I need that alone time. That alone time, it's like essential to me. But then I love to like kind of like spend my battery in my juice outside in the world, and I, I love being kind of like the hostess with the mostess. Like I, I love it. It's it's what I do best. It's what I'm good at. I really enjoy it. But um, opposite to you, those who meet me kind of like off camera. Would be like, whoa! Jess is like really low energy. Her oh, it's voice a different changed. person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm not always like this happy-go-lucky, like smiley person. It's like my job to smile. So, when when I'm not being paid to smile, sometimes I don't like to smile. Sometimes I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, and I thrive in that dark cloud. Actually, it's when I feel the most creative, which is maybe why I've been so creative during this pandemic. Is because I kind of just like, I love to wallow in that fucking darkness. You see me, I try to avoid it at all costs. and that But that entertains people because I see sometimes they'll meet me and they'll be like, I thought it was, I can't believe it's just you. I'm like, yep. Like I thought it was, you had like a different <laughs> persona, but it's just always me. But I don't like the, like I've, like I had a long life. Like I feel like when I look back at everything I've done in my entire life, I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes. Oh my God. I feel the same way. I swear I've said that several times this year. So I think every chance I get now, whatever I do, I just feel like I'm lucky to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, my God, how, how lucky am I that I've done all that, that I had to live through all that shit. And now I'm doing this. So I feel lucky. So I try to get rid of any time there's some kind of doubt or darkness. I try to rationalize it and get it the fuck away. Cause like, no, no, this is not the path you want to go down. You don't want to get into a negative zone. So I try to just be happy basically. Because I know I'm here for a limited time. Yeah. We, that's the only guarantee we have. We don't know when it's going to end, but it's going to end. So I'm like, look, I'm here for a limited time. Let me be fucking happy. Let me bring some happiness. Oh, that's that's healthy. I see that's healthy. I don't know if it's healthy, though. This is, if, I bet you if I talk to a psychiatrist, you can tell me I'm fucked in the head. Because reality is that not everything is happy. No. Right? Like the fact that I say jokes, for example, my brain will automatically go to the funny part of a tragedy is not a normal behavior. I know that. I, I've made a career out of it, but there's no way that's normal behavior. Would you say that you are uh, an optimistic person? Yeah, I can be, but I could also be a pessimist. Okay, I'm totally a pessimist. Like, I'm such a De Debbie Downer. <laughs> you, you look at the... So you're glass half empty. <laughs> I'm just a realist. Okay, well, that's what I call myself, a realist. Like, all... If I can see that something is obviously negative, I'll call it out. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have some friends who I think they're really big optimists. They'll always find the light in something, even when there's no light. I'm like, look, man, you're exaggerating. That's not real. In reality, that is, uh, that is a rape. Let's call it what it is, you know, for example. And they're like, no, no, actually. It's like, no, there's no actually. You know, like for me, I'll always yeah. look at, well, this is what it really is. I'll look yeah. at reality, which will bring people down. But I try my best to keep it, you know, lively. I, I like to bring levity to any situation. Yeah, I, I guess I just, I, I so want to avoid being a disappointed or heartbroken or sad or upset that I always prepare myself for the worst, which is probably why I've been able to kind of like keep myself from having a breakdown this year after everything that I'm like still going through. Um, 
I'm just like, okay, what's next? Bring it. But this like, is good. Sucker punch me. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready for it. But this is good because I'm, t- dude, that's all what life is. Life is, you're going to get these fucking random hooks just punch you in the face. They just come out of nowhere, okay? And there's some people who the second they get one shot to the face, they're done. That's yeah. it. They've given up. It's, it's people like us, people that get punched in the face repeatedly and they smile. They're like, all right, what else you got? We can take a hit. We're the ones who make it. Thrivers. But it's true. We're the ones who make Or else why would I? Because the hits I've taken, like I've, I've thought about this and it made, this is what makes me anxious. I've thought about the amount of times that I was going to quit doing comedy or podcasting or- Okay, so you all, have thought about it. Oh, so many times, right? And, and one of the times was just months before I got like my big break. So I often think back, oh, holy fucking shit. I would have been living a completely different life. I w- like imagine if I had quit. If I, that's why I keep telling people yeah. like any advice. My advice is always: if you're good at something, don't fucking give up. Figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Don't fucking get because you never know how close you are. And most of the time, you're really, really fucking close. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I was gonna say something, <clears throat> but um, yeah, no, I'm uh, definitely a realist, and uh, I was gonna ask what. So, what is your kind of specialty? box when it comes to comedy do you do crowd work at all um no i'm not a crowd work guy like i'll talk to people if they if i have yeah. to like if something's going on i'll address it obviously uh I'm, i talk about my life a lot so i tell a lot of life stories and just that. point of view stuff and i like i like to surprise people <laughs> so i'll go off on something and you think oh i get where he's going with this and then i'll take such a hard left where i hear gasps you know and they're like oh, did he just fucking Say that, you know, I love to do something that's unexpected and then call them out on it. So lately, before we had finished, before everything had finished again, I had a joke, which was a really good joke about Saudi Arabia. And I would preface it in the beginning of my set, just say, you know, I would ask the crowd if they're easily offended. People hate hearing that. They're like, fuck no, we can handle anything. So I'd be like, right, we're going to find out by the end of the <laughs> okay, set. let's find out. And then I would surprise them a few minutes later with this joke out of nowhere. And then if they would gasp and they'd be like, oh, I can't believe you said that. That's when I'd call them out. I'd be like, I thought you guys aren't easily offended. And then you'd get the laugh. So I would have that. They'd be like, oh, fuck, he's, yeah, he, son of a bitch is right. He already called us out on this 10 minutes ago. We knew he was going to fucking do this. He did it and he still offended us. So I like to surprise you, but it's mostly stories from my life or just stuff I saw and I'll talk about it like on the news or something. Like, what the fuck is this? And go, but it's mostly me airing my grievances. It's like Festivus every night. Yeah. And how much of your content is very much like premeditated and thought out and hashed out and reworked? All of it. Yeah. All of it gets, I always, you know, it's a, something happens to me. And then if I feel it's worthy of the stage, I'll start talking about it. And then you see once, twice, you see what works. Maybe it's a word. Sometimes a word fucks up a joke. Too many words or something. So then I'll, I'll cut that or see if people can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes what happens is a couple of jokes, which all start from stories of my life, they'll fit in together in a bigger story way better, even though they happened years apart. Yeah. So I'll be like, fuck, what if? And then I start playing around with it. And then I try it on stage one night. And I'm like, oh, this is way better. This makes it flow better. Then I'll add something else. And then it turns into something huge. And I'm like, God, this is, this is magic. You know, I just built this. And then you try it out. And that's how the best jokes work is it's just over time, just you grind at it and you make them better. And some never do. Some you try them, you're like, this, is, this should have never been told to a public. And uh, <sighs> yeah. Damn, I love stand-up so much. I'm such a diehard fan for the craft and the, and how it works and the, the entire scene. I'm just, I could never do it. We're all crazy people. Oh, yeah. We're all sure. nuts. Sure. I've established this. I've met many comedians now. Same. I'm telling you, my brothers, my sisters in comedy, we're all crazy, just different levels. Mm. Hold up. I'll back up a second. Yeah. Did you just say your brothers and sisters in, in comedy? Com- Goddamn right. 
It's a cult to me. I see it oh all God, as a yeah, yeah. family fucking circus. No, no, because I do love like when I meet comedians. They're my favorite people That's in the world. Rare man are comedians. I love comedians. I love comedians. They're my favorite people because they're the only people that I feel comfortable if we're backstage. Comedians that I've met once, let's say, we'll be backstage at yeah. a show together. I feel comfortable just fucking around with. I know a real comic, no matter what I say, they can't take it the wrong way. They won't get offended because they're comedians. They know where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of, of joy, of yeah. let, let's laugh. Love. That kind of freedom, I only get with other comics. I never have to second guess. And, and I've done it many times with comics I first meet. And then I see I break the ice and then they do the same thing and it's so comfortable. There's no prejudice. There's no, uh, they're going to take this the wrong way, call you a this, call you a that, a phobe, a racist, none of that. They get where you're coming from. It's all for fun. So they're my favorite people is comics. That's unique, man, because I can't say the same for the music industry. I mean. Well, you guys also have different philosophies. Hoity-toity to fucking, it's it's all over the place. Yeah. And everyone's very easily offended. <laughs> yeah, you guys, but like I said, you all have different philosophies. There's different genres of music, whereas exactly. in comedy, you have like the woke comics. But to me, I don't consider them comics if they're not funny. If your goal stops being the laugh and it's to teach someone a lesson it's like politics it's like you're not a comedian doing? yeah we should vote for get the that's not your job no make me laugh yeah so no uh, you guys is tough you guys because you have so many different people you'll get the wrong musician and they'll get offended by a, a fucking post you made or whatever and then they'll write a song about it this yeah. bitch jess offended me must be crazy uh yeah it's nuts it's like stepping on eggshells like god is it, is it even with, with musicians that you don't work with? Like you just see, like you're not in the same band, but you'll see them. You ever have this kind of, you ever have tension? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Especially in Montreal. Like I'm so, this is why, like, have you been out to California? Yeah. All the time, yeah. All the time. Yeah. So I feel like for us, because we're, we're from here and then we get out there, we're just so used to this kind of. I got to get back out there, but it's too bad. Sorry, I'm like, I have so many thoughts coming in oh, at the same fine. time. It's too bad because I feel like the whole Hollywood LA scene now has changed forever. Everyone's gone. Yeah, Comics are moving. Actors are moving. Everyone's getting the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, Taxes are going up. It's crazy. California's on fire all the time. Uh, you know, like Montreal, Bars are opening, bars are closing. Like a few comedy clubs have shut down forever. It's like, what's going to happen with the Laugh Factory now? What's going to happen with the comedy store? I mean, one week their their terrace is open, the next is closed. And it's really, really, really scary because that was, you know, essentially my like three-year plan was like, I'm beelining from here to there. Uh, because I feel like this creative community, to loop back to my original thought, is so small. And I feel like there's no helping hand or sense of camaraderie or family. It's just the opportunities here in the city are so limited and so small that your competition is so fucking tight. You're like shoulder to shoulder with someone who wants your job. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm coming from the English sector too, so that niche is even fucking smaller. And so then you got to like hop the pond over to Toronto and then that whole scene's different. And I don't know how that is for music, but Toronto for comedy, it's not for me. The music scene over there is not my jam either. Yeah. Um, so that's why I feel like New York and LA was kind of like, because I feel like our worth our work ethic here, Jesus. It's hard. Us. We have good work ethic, right? Like I feel like we, we fucking battle. 
Yeah, which is why when I was out there, my experience anyway, was that they were very impressed with my work ethic and the amount of work that I was able to produce, like single-handedly with no fucking budget. I was, you know, making so many things. I couldn't believe what I was doing out there with my limited resources and word caught on, like caught on very, very quickly. Like, who is this little redhead chick from Montreal? She's doing so many things and she's not stopping. And Good I fuck. feel like that type, uh, people like us from a, a small city, small town, go a long way out there where it's just, I feel like people are so used to that environment. And I mean, no one, I guess, in LA is an LA local. That's very rare. People come from all over the world. But I just feel like because we've been doing this for so long, we just have this kind of like streamlined thought of like, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do to get it. And once we're in that type of environment, it goes a long way. It's where it's where we need to be to make it happen. And it's just too bad that that's changing very rapidly now. <laughs> but you, we can also make it happen because of the internet from here now. Yeah. Right? Or I guess when things open up, New York, like I, I like New York. I like, uh, I don't like, it's weird because New York, I hate so many aspects of New York. Like I like the culture, the comedy culture, the comedians that are there. Some of my favorite comics are there. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends are there. So um, I like New York in that aspect, you know, but I just, I hated the rat race. I hated how every time I'm down there, like it's just there's so many people and I, I, it feels overwhelming. You know, the streets, Manhattan just going crazy. It's a lot. But LA, same thing. There's a lot about LA I hated. I love the weather. I hated a lot of the LA culture. And I heard so much about the comedy scene there and just the shitty parts of it. But when I was that, like, I remember when I had went down there with, like, Mike Ward and we were at the comedy store and it, everyone was so, and there was nothing that they could get from us. It's not like we were producers and they wanted to be nice to us because they could. there was nothing we could do for them. But everyone from Adam Eager, at the, everyone was so welcoming, so nice. Everyone that we were meeting from door guys to, it, it was like, oh, fuck, if ever I would move to another city, this scene, I'd feel comfortable in. Same. They were funny, but they were also just nice when they didn't have to. Because I've been to places where people are nice because they think they have to be. There was nothing they could gain from us. We were just there as fucking outsiders for a week. And it was, everyone was super cool. And that I remember, you know, things like that stay with you. I remember where people were nice to me when they didn't have to be. And uh, so I could have seen myself being part of that scene. Like I like, plus a lot of good comics are there. Some of the best. Well, we're there. Now they all left. But so that I could see. But there's so much about LA, the culture in LA that I hate. I hate the rat race. Yeah. I, I just, the, the stereotypes are true. <laughs> They're yeah. so true. And like being a woman down there in the entertainment industry, like it was such a rude wake up call for me. I was down there fucking hustling, man. I was like living, like I was like, this is it. This is like now or never. Like this is my, like I said earlier when, when I first came in, like I was ready to open up shop down there. I was like, this is where I'm going to be until when the pandemic hit but especially the corporate world I felt like I was just like arm candy for all these old guys and (laughs) it just really getting Weinstein really it still still it's out every day every community it didn't matter who the, the the Lakers like press event I was at I felt like I was being passed around like a basketball, <laughs> no pun intended. That's but, funny. But it, it was just so fucking gross. And I was just in there and, you know, I was being told to like, you know, booze and schmooze and network and tell them what we're going to do and smile. And um, 
I'm out there busting my ass and no one gives Shut a up, fuck. dummy. Turn around. You're like, God damn it. That's not what I'm here for. <laughs> no one gives a fuck. They just want to know if I have a, a Snapchat or what my Instagram is or what I'm doing later and if I want to go to the after party. And I'm just not uh, there for that. I'm just not there for that. You know, maybe if I was like 21 and new on the scene. And, and, and you didn't have work to do. You're like, God damn it, I got a job. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like flattered. And I guess in some way I am uh, because, of course, I'm always coming out of a place of deep insecurity. Uh, but I was just like, what? Like, well, I mean, I'm it's definitely better than them being like, who invited the goblin? Yeah. Like, it's definitely better. But, you know, still, you want to do your goddamn job. Yeah, it was just like, fuck, I can't, I can't get anywhere. And like, am I going to have to like suck this guy's dick for him to actually listen to what I have to say and close a deal? Like, I don't want to have to do that. Like, How this funny is would it be if you would say that out loud and the guy's like next to you is like, you said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I felt in almost every networking situation. Yeah. I felt like I was the company mascot, the company face, the smiley, she'll show you a good time, sign the contract because Jess is cute and she'll do whatever you want. Like it was just so degrading and demeaning. And um, it's not but, the first time I've fucking heard shit like this. But on the other hand, I was there long enough where I was able to find my stride and find my click. And although the corporate world was really fucking gross, I mean, any industry in any kind of community and network is can be this way. But I found myself going to the comedy store like three, four times a week. And, and you felt good. I felt at home. I felt at home. Uh, you know, I, the comics didn't have to fucking talk to me. They didn't have to invite me out to shows. And okay, and maybe, yeah. I'm naive and like, okay, yeah, it's a chick and maybe they think they can sleep with me or something, but I felt nice. I felt nice and they made me feel nice without being creepy. And I was honestly fucking surprised. I was surprised. And from there I got to network and do my fucking job and get the interviews in and they were very accommodating and I felt like I was at home within that scene, within the creative scene. Um... And I want to get that back so badly. It's look, it, it, this can't last forever. Felt like family. It, you see, and a little a few minutes ago, you were like, "What do you mean, brothers and sisters?" I'm telling you, in comedy, that's how I feel. It, but I, I I limit it to actual comedians, and I consider comedians, like I said, people that go on stage with the intention yeah. to make you laugh. Because there's too many uh, comics now that don't make you feel that way. They're they're exclusionary, you know, they're exclusionists because they have an agenda. And if you don't agree with that agenda, you're automatically the devil. And they go on stage with that persona, that idea. They Then they push that onto the audience. And then well, I've seen this happen a lot where they'll go on. They'll push their agenda. It won't get laughs because people are like, the fuck, this is weird. And then when they get off stage, the same thing. Huh, this fucking crowd just doesn't get it. Well, no, no, they, they get it, but you were just angry at the government. You were angry at the patriarchy. You didn't make any jokes. You, you, you missed the mark. Yeah, and that ties into the whole PC thing and cancel culture that's happening I now. I hate cancel like, culture. Oh, my God. I and mean, some people need to get canceled. Like, I have, sure. like, let's say the Me Too movement, right? Yeah, of course, you're not going to let fucking rapists and shit like that run rampant. I agree with it. But it's not the same thing as someone who made a fucking off-color joke in a boardroom. It's not the same thing. You can't put them on the same plate. Be like, well, this guy exactly. once said a black joke in the boardroom. It's like, okay. Everyone's being prosecuted yeah. the same. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's, and it's insane. It's there's insane. no way to come back. That's what I hate. Is that there should be, depending on what you did, a way to because even criminals, right? You steal something, yeah. you're in for a while, then you come out. You've served your time. 
So now you're telling me you tell a fucked up joke, but not for comedians, but let's say you're in a boardroom and you tell a crazy joke. I don't know about Greeks, about Asians. I don't fucking know. And then what? You can never work anywhere again. That's absurd. Nah, you've got this shit stain on your shirt for the rest of your fucking life. It's crazy. Who the fuck hasn't made mistakes? It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It, <sighs> and especially for the comedy scene now. And I get a lot of shit about this because I'm a woman and I'm being, you know, accused of being anti-feminist or like, just stick with your tribe, like pussy power, whatever. And How I'm just- is you doing what you want? Anti-feminist. Isn't it supposed to be feminist if you could do whatever the fuck you want because you're equal to everyone else? Isn't that feminism? Is there something I'm misunderstanding? Oh, there's Shouldn't you be an individual? Yeah. 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 Oh, there's all sorts of levels to feminism. Which is crazy. How can there be... That's another thing that gets to me when they go, oh, this chick's crazy, she's a feminist. I was like, well, that that makes sense. She should be a fucking... Everybody, technically, if we go by what it should mean, should be a goddamn feminist, right? You want everybody to be treated equally. Equality. Yeah, that's how... That's what I was told it was when I was growing up. Like, in school, that's how it was described to me. So when I hear it, that's how I... But when I hear she's a feminist, she hates dudes... It's like, that's not, that doesn't make any doesn't sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's like liberal feminists, Republican feminists, and like ultra, ultra feminists. It doesn't. Feminist light. Yeah, why isn't it just everyone's equal? You do your fucking thing. If you see fuckery, you call it out. What, what do I give a shit what gender you? What the fuck do I care? What would that change? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be like defending some of my favorite entertainers or comics. and. Who have you not- defended that you got shit on for? <sighs> okay, well. Okay, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this, but for, for example, yeah. uh, f- I don't want to, because I don't want to like bore your listeners if it's not, actually, you're in the comedy scene. Oh, so you're not going to bore anyone. What are you talking your about? Your listeners yeah, know yeah. of, okay, the comedy scene. For example, Brian Callen. Okay. To me, I think that's a goddamn a fucking ridiculous. You're not the only one. Ridiculous. I mean, there are a few others, but I don't want to put my label or stamp or opinion on a group of things. Yeah, yeah a it's group one of thing. things or a group of people. But that one in particular really fucking rubbed me the wrong way because there's no. Where's the proof? It's just hearsay, and then he's gone, and he's got to cover his ass, cancel his podcast. Oh my god! It, it's just it's so crazy it's so crazy and then i'll defend or try and like justify something like that and then i'll get shit for being like always believe in women first jess believe the woman first i'm sorry but i know a few chicks who are also full of shit shit. yeah i know a lot of people what is this i I always laugh at that believe all women i don't even believe all men i don't believe all anything that's crazy my dog is fucked around sometimes. I'm like, that face, you're lying. I know you're lying. Why would you, who, how do you believe all of everything? But Callan, it's funny because he, he, he was doing some work last month with uh, one of my friends in Texas. Yeah. And he asked him straight up. He's just, he's an honest guy. He just asked him straight up. Yo, did you, is this true? You rape anyone? He's like, it's fucking absolutely not true. It, and I'm not saying that that's just believing because he said, it. I'm just saying he asked him point blank. He goes, look, I'm going to defend you. However, tell me right fucking now. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to talk shit about you. We'll just cut our ties. Did this fucking happen? And he's like, absolutely the fuck not. And I'm going to sue for libel or whatever he's doing now because some, some woman's husband, I think, is trying basically try to get him excommunicated from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're doing with, with everybody. And uh, yeah, man, it's a touchy subject. But I, that's different. I'm not saying it's, it's a good thing. That's different in the sense that if you just hear rape or sexual abuse or, you know, he did this, you're automatically... Your inclination, it should be, mine would be to be like, whoa, what the fuck? And you, you have to analyze the situation because you're like, this isn't the same as saying a joke that's fucked up. No. You're telling me he may have raped someone. You have to look at it yeah, critically. Yeah, of course. That's normal. 
I don't like the, well, where's the evidence? Well, why do you need evidence? Then I'm like, oh, well, that's a little fucked up because you just said something huge. Give me something. Because if not, then we could just do it to anybody. Everybody could do it to me. Poseidon could walk in one day and be like, Pantels was raping me for years. Like, just because he says it is true, you know, you know, it's, then it gets, it's, it gets tricky. So I'm all for the beginning. Yeah, you got to out these people. Like, look at Harvey Weinstein. We found out for years something that Hollywood knew and didn't give a fuck about, mm-hmm. for the record. Everyone was clapping. And then there's that. Yeah, they, they knew. This guy was fucking around like crazy. They knew, but we're the problem. Everyone else is the issue. These guys knew they did nothing. They praised him. They're like, well, if you suck his dick, you will get a good role. All right. And that was cool for years. That was cool for years. So then now, when it fell on comics, what bothered me was it fell in this weird area where the people attacking them were other comics a lot of times that weren't at their level or they, it looked like they were trying to just take people down from the mountain. And that fucked with me. I was like, well, is the reason why you're doing this because you think that's a bad person or because you think you're going to gain something from their absence? Like the Louis C.K. thing, for example. Louis C.K. thing fucked with me a lot because yeah. I, I, I wanted to be as critical as I could. And then when I would look at the details, I'd be like, fuck, man, I'm going to sound like an asshole. But like, the, let's say the woman who said, I think he was masturbating on a call with me. I was like, Who was that again? Because I know there was several comics that came out. That wasn't him. a comic. I think that was someone in the industry. But when I heard that, I was like, you thought he was jerking off on a call. Even if he was or he was. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I can't, I wasn't there. But hang up or, I don't know what to tell you about that. That's not the same thing. The only one that fucked with me that I thought, mm, it's uh, an intern. Yeah. Or a girl that worked with him, but she was under him. at, Because that's weird, even if you come on to them, because the power dynamic is fucked up. So then the person's like, Already, yeah. are they with you because... Are they blowing you or whatever because they want to keep their job or because they actually like you? So that, that one was fucked up. But for the other stuff of him asking comics, yo, can I jerk off in front of you? Come to my hotel. And they're like, yeah, we'll come to your hotel so you can jerk off in front of us. And then when he whips out and starts jerking off and you're laughing, you're cool with it. And then years later, you're like, actually, now that he's famous, that scarred me. But he invited you. To, you went and he pulled it out. You were laughing. You had like, what the fuck? I don't, I'm not saying it's right for him to be jerking off in front of everyone. But like, apart from him, how many times does he have to ask you, can I jerk off in front of you? And then you say he yes. politely. <laughs> it's a crazy thing to ask. I'm surprised that anyone would ask that. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I think it's fucking funny to be like, yo, can I jerk off for you? Just that question alone is hilarious. What a psycho. Yeah, but the but I can't just push away everything else around it, you know? Because I'm like, well, then that's fucking sketchy, you know? Yeah, it's so weird. I don't know what to say. And again, let's say uh, right now, it's been a couple of years where people are like, fuck this guy. He's, every time he tries to come back, they're going to have to shit on him and be like, I'm not going to this club because they let him perform. He's a comic who jerked off. He's not, he didn't kill anyone. Like, God damn it. When, when, is, his, when is his time done? When is his prison Seriously. sentence over? Hasn't he done, over the past couple of years, hasn't he done a few shows and haven't they been doing really well? Yeah, they love him. They love him. God. He still brings the fun. He's, I mean, he's one of the better writers. He's one of the better comics. So he's going to bring the heat, you know? I'm, and it's not like I'm an ap- apologist for Louis C.K. It's if you did something wrong, you pay for what you did wrong. But you're not going to spend your whole life in this. Like, they're treat- Nazis weren't fucking, like, they were like, well, let's take him to court. This guy doesn't get taken to court. Like, Nazis uh, got to go to court and there was a trial. Yeah. This guy, no trial. Just, you're, you're gone forever. It's crazy. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's yeah. fucked up. And again, like, the severity of the situation across the board with all these comics getting you know, accused of whatever is all being treated the same. And it's not, I don't believe just cancel. Like you're canceled forever. Well, look at, and it depends who you are too, right? There's favoritism. Like, like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Fallon both did blackface. Trudeau did blackface. Yeah. That's all cool. 
Somebody. Oh, m- it was like a flavor of the week, like social media posts. Like they kept their jobs. They're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody makes a joke about race, and they're not successful enough. You can't have that guy perform at your club. Dead. He made a joke about Greek people. What? What the fuck? Yeah, he, he made a joke. That's what he does. Like Shane Gillis got fucked over last year. It turned into a good thing, though, for Shane Gillis when he got kicked off of SNL. Yeah. I think for, for him, it did wonders for his career because then he got the right fan base, people who weren't offended, and they all oh, supported him. Yeah, I heard him. that. I heard that whole thing, by the way. The entire thing. Yeah. That wasn't bad. No, no, he was just, they were fucking around it a wasn't podcast. wasn't bad at all. It wasn't what they made it seem. It was that, it was that asshole Seth Simons, who's this fucking uh, failed comedian. Jesus. Well, he, so he just, he just picks stuff from comics he hates and he tries to get them fired from places and it worked on SNL. And I'm telling you, Shane Gillis, one of the nicest fucking dudes. One of the nicest guys. So he attacked this guy's career. He's a fucking asshole. But it turned out, just the way karma is, he's a nobody, says Simon. I think he lives in a basement in like middle America somewhere. And fucking Shane Gillis took this, turned it around and built a nice little fucking uh, career for himself. So it turned into a good thing. But how crazy was that? He lost his job a day after he got it. Over a joke on a podcast that was clearly a joke, not a statement. And they said, yeah, this guy hates Asians. Of course, the media's got to jump on it right away. And everyone associated has to apologize on his behalf. Yeah. And like, uh, we've took the precautionary measures. And uh, like, as of today, we are not no longer representing so-and-so. Like, oh my God. Yeah, even uh, back in the day, Rogan, when he had gone to a fight with Carlos Mencia, his agents dropped him because I think he had the same agents. And the agents dropped the guy who called out the joke thief. That's what he did. He called out a guy who was stealing jokes. Yeah. And they fired the guy who called him out. Like, you see some injustice happening, and then it's the mob mentality. So everyone had to jump. Like, Shane Gillis, that's what I felt like. I felt like people were jumping on, like, people who were extreme leftists or whatever, because they just didn't know the whole context. I'm like, no, no, I want to be part of that group. This guy's bad. He said something bad about people. Let's attack him. Let's kill him. It's like, come on, guys. Like, he's a comedian on a podcast. He knew it was going public. It wasn't a private conversation. It's supposed to be his safe zone. Yeah. God. You know what kind of crazy shit we say? Like, if you go back and look at my podcasts. I was just saying, like, thank God I'm a fucking nobody. Because (laughs) the amount of obscene shit that has spewed out of my mouth is insane. But it only affects specific careers. If you're an actor, you can portray a pedophile. They're not going to call you for it. But if you're a comedian on stage telling a joke about pedophiles, you're a bad person. It is completely insane. Completely insane. We're viewed as more critically than politicians. It's ass backwards, man. (laughs) It's crazy. I guarantee if you would do blackface, you can't be prime minister. (laughs) It's not happening. Oh, God. Wild times. Mm. This coffee's great, by the way. Uh, I didn't think the almond uh, milk was going to do it for you. Was going to do it for me, but it does it for me nice. I like that. Who is the person who delivered me the coffee? That's Poseidon. You guys have wacky fucking names. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Poseidon is a wacky human being. He's Pelis uh, Poseidon. Yeah. Poseidon finds himself in. Uh, you remember who you were talking before about like I can't do anything else but showbiz. Yeah. Poseidon got a taste of it, and now he's like, I don't want to do anything else but showbiz. Like he's uh, he's the opposite. Like he he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be in it at all. He fell yeah. into it. He's like, I'm never going back to the real world. What was he doing before? He was renting cars. He was uh, working in sales. Uh, he was working regular day jobs. What do you mean by renting cars? Uh, like he was working at the airport for oh. a car rental company. So oh. he would rent out cars. So he used to have a lot of sales jobs. Yeah. And he's a friend of mine. You yeah. know, I knew him for a couple of years. And then uh, when me and Mike had started to drink a minimum, after a couple of episodes, because we were, we were like the weird show on Compound Media because mm-hmm. we were not in New York. We were the only show outside of New York. And everything else was guest driven. So we started, we were bringing guests. 
Mm-hmm. And after a while, me and Mike realized, Mike actually realized it first, we're going to run out of guests in Montreal. Easily. Especially comedian guests. That's a very specific niche. We're going to run out. And also some of the comics that we're bringing on were very, they weren't, co- like we thought they were comics, but they'd be scared to talk. They'd be, and we're like, this is weird. We can't do this. Especially now in this climate, that's, no one wants to express their opinion that's for what happened. fear of being canceled reprimanded shit on yeah so then he's like fuck what should we do do you think we should bring in a third mic like maybe some maybe we'll bring in eccentric weirdos and then i said i know i have a weirdo friend and he's he lives an alternative lifestyle you know so uh maybe we should try him out we could bully him because we like to bully people it'll be fun so yeah, yeah give him a good hazing yeah we brought him on he was at the beginning, everybody hated him. They they wanted him off the show. They were writing us because <laughs> it was just some random guy that we brought on the show for everyone. He was in the comic. In which, sorry, sidebar. Yeah. What podcast am I on right now? This is the Pantelis podcast. This okay. is very simple. This is okay. very simple. But two drink minimum with Mike, he, we started bringing him on as a third mic. So people hated him in the beginning because, uh, look, he's just some random guy. No comedy, yeah. no, no web presence. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he there with him? Yeah. After a while, people start to realize when he would start opening up about his life. That he had a weird life and that he lives a weird life. So then people start to get addicted to it. They're like, tell us more about how you spend all your income on prostitutes. Tell us, you know? Mm. Yeah, so it started to get more interesting. And then we kept bullying him. And then we realized that level of bullying, no other person could just take it. Like any other person would have quit on us. So he stuck. He went through the motions. He would come with us. You know, he came to New York. We're doing live shows there. He came to LA. And then he became addicted to it. And now with the pandemic... He's like, I got a podcast my whole life. I got to do stuff like this because he can't do stand up. So he yeah. wants to remain in, in this world. Yeah. He's like, I can't see myself ever going back. He feels so free now just talking and doing what he wants. It's liberating. Yeah. It's like a verbal diary, except a lot of people are listening. Yeah. It's weird when you, th- it, it, you know what happens? I don't know if it happens to you with songs. Like if people ever tell you like, oh, I love this song and they'll tell you a lyric. Me, what's weird is when people repeat stories to me. Oh, like when this happened to you. And my first instinct is... How the fuck do you know what happened to me? Yeah, how the fuck do you know? And then I remember <laughs> I publicly broadcasted it. Yeah. You know, but it's uh, it's always weird. Like, oh, that thing that happened to me. I'm like, how the fuck does he know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I fucking say everything. So they know. Yeah, it is bizarre. Yeah. Although my lyrics are so obscure and like whimsical and fantastical that they're never like... It's never just a... Uh, it's never a real thing. It's always inspired by something, usually whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it is bizarre having people come to you being like, oh, this song really meant this to me or like made me feel this way or like, what is this song about? It is, is, is it about so-and-so or this and that? And I typically have no fucking idea. Sometimes until months later or when I hear it on the radio or, or I hear it in some jingle or in a video game and I'm just like, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, fuck. What do you like more out of everything you do? Okay, so another sidebar. I did like, I never do these. I did like an ask me anything on Instagram last night. And I specifically avoided at least five different questions from like five different individuals, fans, followers, what have you, about music. Being like, hey, Jess, are you still doing music? Hey, Jess, so when's, are, when are you going to release your next album? Hey, when's that next single coming out? Hey, are you mostly focused on modeling and showing your tits on the internet? Or are you still doing music? See, people like your voice. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. I specifically avoided those questions because I know I haven't been playing or creating that much music as of late. But to answer your question, music will always be the backbone and the motivation 
of everything that's propelled me to what I'm doing now. Okay, very it cool. It started with music. It'll end with music. It'll always be music as kind of like the backdrop to everything. Uh, and then because of that, and finding my confidence and creativity and growing through music that I've been able to propel myself and grow and expand in the entertainment industry as a whole. It's music's made me who I am. And it also keeps me humble. Um, so yeah, music will always be kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It just comes so easy. Yeah, I never really have to think about it. It's always just It's your there. bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Get on it years later, you know how to ride it, yeah. But- you know, I don't know if you had this in your career too at a certain point where you realize like, fuck, if I don't, if I can't do this, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Oh yeah. Oh. And you know, and I'm sure you've had this also where you feel like, oh, this is the moment where you've had certain points in your career where it's like, this is it. I made it. I think I made it. This is it. Yes. <laughs> I, I always think this is it. And then it's never, it's never it's it. Never it's never it. it. It's like, oh fuck, I got another hill to climb. Yeah, Exactly. But uh, I was very fortunate to be like, oh, I can be an entertainment host or a travel host. And oh, fuck, I can produce and direct documentaries. And uh, I look good on camera. Shit, who would have thunk? Yes, you could. there's stuff that you can do within that realm. And I love it. I love it so much. And I'm able to learn. Like, I feel like I'm still that sponge. I'm able to just soak everything in. And I love it. And so right now I'm working with a creative... Uh, essentially a production house and we're working with a bunch of different brands and agencies and companies and we're creating, you know, marketing, ad campaigns, creative campaigns. I do music videos now, which is great because I get to help other creative people behind the scenes as well as being able to benefit from being in front of the camera. I get to learn behind the camera, which is great. You know, what would be cool. What? I don't know if you know my buddy, uh, Justin Vin. Maybe. He's I'm a musician. Bad with names. I'm good with faces. He was in a lot of bands here, like Rusted and like different, but now he has, it's just him and another guy and they have like producers and stuff. They're called Orchid and they're doing like a lot of different it. sounds now. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, actually, like I enjoy them a lot. It would be interesting for you guys to do a collab because they're, they have that, like their voice, you know, the hype. Think about, um, I guess, Motley Crue type of yeah, singing. That falsetta type of. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Think of that and your stuff, you know, in like a, a nice collab song. And then they're like, they did it the smart way, like the way they're, they're working on their stuff now very slowly. And they'll drop a single and then it'll explode and then they'll wait. Strategic. Then, yeah, they're very strategic. That would be fucking interesting. Okay. Uh, you guys could fucking probably make it. I'm, I want to connect you guys. Make the intro. I'm going to make I'm the down. intro. Yeah. You guys, I think uh, you guys can make a fucking badass song. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I could write a mean hook. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they're because now they have that support system, and they're so into uh, like creative input, like yeah. amongst each other, like especially with you with your history, they're gonna be like, all right, what are you bringing to the table? What are you thinking? And then they'll they're very open to that. Okay, they are. Okay, because I was gonna say, are they open to collaboration? They're open to yeah. They're open to like the they're very. You have to talk to them to understand. But yeah. uh, like my buddy Justin, he's very much into. I just want to make. I don't want to put a label on the type of sound I make because I don't know what to call it. I just want it to, to work. I want, oh, this fits here. I'll change this because it doesn't fit. He was talking about his latest song, which yeah. it, it did well, but the original hook he goes would have been so shit if I didn't listen to the guy that was helping us produce it. He's like, go go to sleep, think of something else. Yeah. These lyrics are stupid. It doesn't work. <laughs> and if they hadn't done that, they would have never come up with the catchy hook that they have now. So he's very open to, um, they're good musicians. Like To be a good musician, you have to be willing to grow. Yeah. You know, and understand, okay, maybe this isn't working. But I think your voice with them and just doing something will be fucking cool. 
I'm down. I'm going to make the, the intro. I'm going to do okay, this. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm very down. I'd be down to hear their sound very much. What, what's the group? Uh, Orchid. Orchid. Yeah. What type of music? I know it's probably a fusion of 10 different subgenres. They like- call it a fusion. Look, man, I'm telling you right now, I, it's, it's fucking rock and roll, and it feels very 80s inspired, Whoa. but they're going to call it something else. Yeah. Because it is, because some of their sounds is, because, uh, yeah, they're, they're right. I guess it is a hybrid of a lot of stuff. But um, they're very talented. They're talented and they're... Cool. Yeah. excited. Yeah, they're, they're good. I love discovering new music. Yeah, I like love it. Love it. I like your stuff too, so think about it. If I like your stuff and there's something you guys probably have yeah. shared. Maybe it's talent. I'm a big fan of skill. Yeah, and what in whatever you do, honestly. And I'm finding, you know, I mean, it's shit that I'm finding myself single in the middle of a global, you know, zombie apocalypse right now. Almost, yeah. But, um... <laughs> I, I've realized, cause I'm almost 30 now. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> it's the curls. They make me look so youthful. Mm. Um, I can't be associated romantically or not with anyone who doesn't have passion. I, cause in my brain, it doesn't compute. I'm just like, then what are you doing? Yeah. You're not living. I, I don't care if you have a passion for fucking construction or knitting or whatever. Um, if you're not serial murder, <laughs> if you're not pursuing like some sort of a hobby or whatever, I'm not saying quit your day job and you know do what we're doing. No, we're insane. <laughs> we're definitely insane. But um, I, I can't be associated with anyone who's kind of just like slugging around and just living. What is that saying? Living to work, not working to live. Yeah. I just can't. I just, I don't. That's what what they say in Greece. That's how they separate it. It's like, they go, you guys in North America, you all uh, live to work. We work to live. And I'm like, fuck, that's goddamn true. It cuts deep. Yeah, it definitely cuts deep. Like, goddamn (laughs) it, we're fucking zombies. I can't. I've never been that way. And I've had, you know, I don't know if it's been like, oh, no, you have have a family of comics. Do you mean that literally? Like your family? No, no, like, no, I just mean like, no, no, I just mean when I say my family of comics, I just mean like, uh, my com- comedians. Oh man! Yeah. Okay, I thought in the beginning you meant <laughs> my sister's a comic. My oh no no no! I'm the only. There's no one in my family that's in entertainment. Okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't same. even when I, when it happened to me. I was kind of like I I was scared because I was like I have no basis for reference. Everybody thinks this is crazy. Yeah yeah yeah. So I didn't know what to do because even I was working like I was working video games. I had all these other jobs before. Same. So wait, that, were we both we, in the gaming industry? Yeah, we at met point? at VMC. Oh, yeah. wow. So that was years ago. What a breeding ground of weirdos. Weirdos. I'm going to tell you a story after after the podcast. You're going to laugh because I remembered Shit. something when you were on the way here and, and it made me laugh. But it was just, so my whole life was work life, let's say. Yeah. There was structure to it. There's a company. I work for it. It's simple. It wasn't all on me, right, to make everything. And then when I fell into the entertainment industry, which everything takes forever, mm-hmm. whether it's a script, whether it's always, oh, we're going to get to this next week. And then you hear from them six months later. So everything takes long mm-hmm. and it's all on your shoulders and people are duplicitous, you know, like the business aspect it's of a it. Big ass word. It's, but it was just such a weird, <laughs> duplicitous, but they're goddamn snakes. No, it's just, it was a weird industry and I had no reference to it. So when I would, I couldn't even talk to my friends, my friends don't know anything about it, which exactly. is normal because I didn't know anything about yeah. it. So I just, I felt alone a lot of times. I'd be like, I don't fuck. So I would ask questions to like Mike's agent. I go to him and be like, is this the right move? Should I go to this guy? Should I? And then he would help me out a bit. And because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And it's such a weird, even now I've been in it for a couple of years. I still think this is the weirdest fucking industry. It really, really ever. is. But I feel like a rebel in it. I feel like a disturber and I like it. Yeah, me too. I've always been the black sheep, although I'm ginger. Yeah. You're the <clears> ginger sheep. 
Okay, I'm gonna bring. Okay, mm. did you know? <laughs> Tell me. Speaking of black sheep, uh, I'm actually a very weird mix. A, I'm Haitian Scottish. That's your mix, Haitian Scottish. Yeah. A million times, I could have made never. a guess. I would have never fucking I know, guessed that. I know, I know, it's cool. Who's Haitian? Who's Scottish? So my dad's half black. He's like slash, literally, like kind of looks like him. Oh, really? So not like dark, so dark. Does your dad have the hair? Yeah. The slash hair? No, no, no. He he's shaved. He keeps it shaved now. Uh, but if you would let it grow. Oh, it would be big, big black Fuck, curls. that's cool. So I get hair. the curls from my dad. Um, but I come from a family of my immediate family, like my, my dad and my dad's mother, my grandmother, come from a family of light-skinned Haitians. So, you know, like mocha flavor. Um, but on my mom's side, it's just like off-the-boat Scots, Vikings. So I definitely inherited that. But if you were to see my sister, who's two years younger than me. She looks Haitian. She, we have the same fe- features, same mannerisms, same everything. But she's dark. A lot of people think we're like twins, but she's darker. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, she's got thick brown hair, the olive skin tone. But yeah, no one in a million years would ever think that uh, that I'm what, uh, t- I guess 25% black. Yeah, me and my skin tone, people often uh, don't believe that I'm Greek because I have the features of a Greek, but yeah. the tone is very light. So, like, when I go to Greece, I always stand out. Like, I always look really, really bright. I think it's just from growing up here because when I was young, I had blonde hair. It just oh, changed. Really? Yeah, in the sun, everything. It oh, just yeah. changed. Oh, yeah, you adapt to your environment, too. Yeah. So, I think that's what it is. Also, my eyes keep changing from green to blue, even as an adult, yeah. which is, you, know, you have blue eyes. Like, I don't have blue eyes. I have green eyes. And then when they say it, I look in the mirror, I'm like... They're blue right now. I can't explain why. But <laughs> okay, they're blue right now, though. They're going to be green in an hour, so it's just weird. So yeah. people never guess. They're like, what are you? Uh, they think like I'm Northern European, but I'm Greek. I'm fully, full Greek. Wow. I was going to yeah. ask. You must be some sort. Have you done that 23 in me? Show? Yeah, yeah. And it, and it drops the pin because, you know, it shows like the region or yeah. whatever. It's like there, there's Greece and it's just this. And then everything is all around Greece. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So it's, uh, but it's, it's just, I think it's a product of my environment here because my family who I'm like, let's like really close with, like yeah. genetically, let's say like my my mom's uh, sister's kids and stuff like that, they all, they're darker. But the ones that grew up in Canada have the lighter uh, tones like me. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. It's very weird how that works. Genes. Genes. and No, genes I understand. It's, it's the fact that we could change in a single generation, like as a kid mm-hmm. to now, how my hair color could change. All that, that I find fascinating. I love that kind of shit. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Where the hell was I? Oh yeah, I wanted to say, so was your... um. Going back to our crazy career professions, mm. was your family like supportive of you ever? My mom, yeah. Okay, really? My mom yeah. loathed me. Oh, see, I, I'm lucky. I had, she thought I could do no wrong. Oh, wow. So, she, But she even told me sometimes, she goes, uh, it sounds crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. She goes, I get why people think that comedy, your career sounds crazy. However, you've somehow managed to make it this far. And everything you did, people thought wasn't going to work, and it worked. I have faith in you. And that would give me courage because I'd be like, well, fuck, that's, there we go. I got that. Because she would say, she goes, everything sounds crazy. What you're telling me sounds fucking crazy. I don't understand what podcasting is. I don't know. Stand-up? How can I make a career in stand-up? None of this makes any sense. But you've you've made good on your promises before, so I got faith in you. You'll work this out. The power of a mother's love. Yeah, it helps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess my dad was kind of supportive. I was kind of like daddy's favorite growing up. Um... That's a good spot to be in. But uh, I was always super, super rebellious. Because I grew up, I don't know if you knew this, I grew up, I'm not a city 
girl, although I, I am now. Um, oh, yeah, you were talking about the raccoons. Yeah, I grew up up north in the Laurentians of Quebec, like okay. on, on a farm. Oh, so, shit, like, okay. Still to this day, my mom has to go to town hall to get reception to, like, Facebook videos at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, when I was in high school, when everyone was, like, rocking, like, <laughs> CD players and when the MP3s first came out, I was still rocking, like, a Walkman. <laughs> and then whenever, when everyone had these laptops... You came out, you're like, I have this abacus. I, down I literally would be writing my essays on a typewriter. Uh, most of my old lyrics, essays, creative writing, English, whatever, whatever assignment I'd have, I still have the papers today. They're all on like a typewriter. I like the feel of a typewriter. Oh, God, it feels nice. I like that. Um, and I still have them all back home. But um, I live in like Amishville, Frig. So, so for me to pursue the career I pursued at such a young age. So crazy. So like you're goddamn nuts. You're whack job. You're crazy but uh but i did it uh, and i even my friend even when i got let go from the company because you know our, our our clients in california didn't resign i had like friends and family being like you just just take the hit just get a job just get any job like go work at the hospital go whatever yeah. be a barista and i was just like there's no fucking way in hell not that i think i'm better than any of that I love my local barista, and I'm sure I'd make a mean fucking barista. I feel like I'd be a good barista. Me too. Damn. But I was just, there was just, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And for me, anyone telling me I can't do something, I see it as a direct fucking challenge to prove me too. you wrong. Me too. Me too. Oh man, it burns a fire. Spite has uh, got me to a lot of places. Yeah. I was like, really? No, right, really, see about I, wouldn't, that, I wouldn't be where I am today if it honestly wasn't for my competition and people telling me I can't do something. Really. <laughs> it's funny because I've, a lot of shit that I've done has been because people are like, you can never do X thing. And I'd be like, I didn't even want to do that, you son of a bitch, but now I'm going to fucking do it. And because uh, I, I've, like, I, definitely my mother always telling me, you can do it. You know, I believe in you. You're, you're not an idiot. You're going to make it work. That helped. But also having people be like, this is a stupid dream. It's never going to happen. I would be like, yeah, motherfucker, we're going to see what's going to happen. And I've done it for many things. I did it for just for laughs. I did, oh, I'm never going to go there. We're going to see about that. I did it for Joe Rogan. Somebody once said, yeah, you're podcasting, but it's not like you're ever going to be on Rogan. Oh, I saw that yeah. episode. I and was then like, I was like, yes. Then, then it was in the back of my mind. Like, I'm going to find a fucking way. I'm going to find a fucking way. And then when it happened, I was like, that's right, bitches. Like, uh, I'll find a way. Like, if I'm very. Um, we're stubborn as fuck. I'm stubborn as fuck. Yeah. And it has to be a reasonable goal. You know what I mean? Something yeah. that I can, but if it's reasonable, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. You know, like I'm going to, I also have to want to do it too, but it's just, I don't like people telling me you, you can't, you're it's same thing with kids. That's why I don't like when people do that to kids. Like let kids imagination flourish. Let them uh, try different things. They might be, you never know some kid that you want him to be the best in his, I don't know, his math class. Might be the fucking greatest musician in the future if you let them practice with music. You yeah. you know, let them think about these things and go where they're passionate. But same thing. If somebody tells me I can't do it, they better fucking get ready because I'm going to fucking do it. I mean, I might fall on my ass a few times. Oh, many times. Crash and burn and fucking... Oh, Repeatedly. But I always get back up. I don't know what it is. I, it, it's just can't stop, won't stop. But I have a question for you. Yeah. Were you... You must have been so nervous, right? Yeah. For Joe Rogan, yeah, that must have been nuts, right? Well, I was nervous because it's it's rare. F I've been, 
I don't fangirl a lot over a lot of people. Me neither. Because I don't look up Isn't to. Isn't that weird? Is, but there's specific people that I didn't know was going to happen. It happened with, with Joe Rogan. I was kind of like, oh, I can't believe it's Joe Rogan, you know? Because it's a weird thing. Like, I look up to him in the sense that everything he's done and his comedy and all that. But also, um, there's a lot of respect. I like everyone this. puts him on a pedestal. So yeah. it's kind of like endearing. It's like, okay, I'm in here with this guy. The now. guy? Yeah. Also, it's just the level I'm talking of respect of when I see everything he's built over there and what he's done. I'm like, this is, how do you not respect this? This guy took a dream, a hobby. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm making this more than a career. This is a lifestyle now. You know, you, if you don't respect that, there's something wrong with you. So there was, it's only been him in the weekend that I've like fangirled. Like I've been like, you know, yeah. weird in front of because it's, I guess it's two people that I like. I listen to a lot and I don't realize. Yeah. And then when you meet them, you're like, oh, fuck, this is, this is weird. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it, it was uh, definitely a cool experience. Did he treat you respectfully? There was some weirdness before the show, but... Because uh, that's what I was concerned about. Oh, no. Because I've seen him, because I also watched his podcast religiously. And I've, I, I was curious as to how it went down with you specifically, because I've seen him treat guests a little disrespectfully or kind of just like off-putting or yeah. interrupting them or well we didn't i didn't have that much like it wasn't like uh he was weird with me but it wasn't like aggressive mm -hmm. you know uh it was because something like before the show and shit like that it, was, it got weird but he was he tried his best after to like he's like you know right before the show started he's like you want to smoke this he had something like was there he's like this is better than whatever you smoke in canada like don't worry about it but that also <laughs> fucked me up in the beginning too because i didn't realize how strong that shit was oh, shit. so in the beginning when the show first starts <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little fucked up like, uh, I'm trying to get myself back into, yo, you're on Rogan. Like, don't say anything stupid, yeah. you know? Um, there's that. But no, he was, um, you know, a guy that he's never met. He just met me. Like, he didn't he doesn't know me from a fucking hole in the wall. Yeah. You know, so there's that, that you know, compound to it. Um, but it was just cool being there. And he was, his people too were all super nice. Like, young Jamie, the people that he had there, like security Jamie. guys and shit. They're all... Um, magic fingers. Magic fingers. They're all super nice dudes. And that's why I think they're able to make what they made. They're very positive. Mm-hmm. And they're happy to be doing what they're doing. And they also did all of us a favor and people don't know. Yeah. People don't realize that as soon as Joe Rogan signed that Spotify deal, all the jealous people that were mad at him, it's because they're, they're talentless. He set a price point for all of us. We're not all going to get $100 million, But the fact that he legitimized all of us, you should fucking thank him. But instead, people were angry. They're like, look at this guy, $100 million. And then Alyssa Milano came out and she was mad because she didn't get a deal. And she's like, <laughs> Yeah, but you didn't get a deal not because you're not Rogan, but because you're not liked. Your podcast isn't as big as Rogan, that's why. But the fact that there's money there, you should be motivated. You should know that you can have a business. You're not going to make $100 million, but you can do something. Mm -hmm. You know, he did everyone a favor, and, and he didn't get the proper thanks for it, I find. It was just called a sellout. And he didn't sell anything out. He, he licensed his show. He's doing a show how he likes it. He just licensed it out yeah. for a shit ton of money. So That's the smartest fucking deal ever. I know. You know, haters gonna hate. Haters where, gonna hate. Where is he now in Texas? Yes, he's in uh, Austin, I believe. Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Again, does what he wants. Yeah. How do you like? How do you fault someone for he did like Mike? Mike Ward. Mike, he fucked off. Now he's like, you know what? We could do the podcast remotely. He's do, we're doing it. Uh, he skypes in. Yeah. So he he bought a place like up north. Yeah. Just chills with the wife. He's like, fuck, I relax here. He goes the fuck mm -hmm. am I doing in the city? Everything's closed. He's like, I'm yeah. Skyping in. He goes, I can't do stand-up anyway. He, he did the same thing as Rogan. He's like, I'm going to fuck off. What am I going to do in the city? Yeah. People like that, that they look to, instead of appeasing everyone, they looked, okay, where am I most comfortable? Where can I be most creative and comfortable? Yeah. They they, they go further, you know, because he's like, I'm going to make myself comfortable. Why would I be in the city? Everything's closed. I can't do stand-up. I hate the city. Fucking, 
they they left. Yeah, yeah. there's a fine line, and 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 those those lines get crossed or construed for me as well. But that balance between knowing that you're doing something to better you and then doing something to appease the people. Like, what what do they want? What do I want? What do I need? How can I kind of inter- mix both of those things together to be a good thing? Because the last thing you want is to kind of be doing something to please someone else for the, you, you know, for 10 years and then realizing, like, fuck, I'm miserable. <laughs> oh, fuck. That, you know, that's what scares me. My, I think my fight or flight is I never want to go back to a regular nine-to-five job. Me neither, God. Scares the shit out of me. Me neither. Never. My goal, because I moved out really young. I moved out last year high school. I must have been 17. Oh, fuck. Left to Montreal with like 50 bucks in my pocket. I remember this vividly because my parents were arguing in the car the entire, where, the entire way there. They just dropped me off in my bags like, bye. Oh, God. Yeah, I was just like, fuck this. this I'm going to make it. <laughs> like, I, you know, to me, escalators were still uh, a magical Yeah, thing you were fucking half Amish, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had never taken the metro before, a public transit bus. It was so wild to me. Ah, uh, yes, a local crackhead. Good to meet you. Yeah, it must have been weird. Yeah, but uh, I always stayed uh, so tacky. I always stayed true to myself. I would go hunting at night. <laughs> Those pigeons that were running around, I was eating them. Actually, the amount of skunks. I saved because I went to John Abbott. Okay. And I, I only went there because to me it looked like Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And to me that was pretty sexy. At it the is kind of Hogwartsian, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I used to run around St. Anne de Bellevue and rescue these trapped skunks because there was like a skunk thing going on in the West Island at that point. Did you live I, in the West Island? Yeah. How did you like that? I've never lived in the West Island. I was there for like two years and then I... Does it feel weird? I mean, like, I say I graduated from Abbott, but I don't really know if I ever graduated from Abbott. <laughs> but did you, how do you feel? Like in the West Island, does it feel like you're in like disconnected? Like I thought I was in the big city. <laughs> you thought the West Island was the fucking big city? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I know. That's how far out of like off grid I was. Okay. I, I moved to St. Anne's and I was like, whoa, there's buses. It's there's, a goddamn town. <laughs> yeah. But th- there's so many rich kids. There, Yeah. That's where a lot of rich people live. So yeah. many rich kids smoking dope is what I realized at Abbott going to college there. I knew a girl who grew up around there and she told me it's because we get really bored. I remember I was young. For sure. And I asked her, I go, why do you like, you guys have money. Like we don't have money. I go, you guys have so much money. Why do you guys do so, so many drugs? She goes, there's nothing to do. Yeah. We're bored. I was in high school when I found this out. Yeah, I remember my my apartment in St. Anne de Bellevue was like the party place on Thursday nights. And it would get so wild. And I mean, I, I could go into these stories. This is definitely for another time. But they would get so wild. We would, one, the cops would always show up and give us like a, a noise complaint ticket. How much is that? 120 bucks? Yeah, around that. Right. Actually, you're pretty fucking dead on. I get a lot of tickets, yeah. <laughs> I get stopped by the cops a lot. So I had this huge top hat, like a magician's hat almost, and it, they would be so frequent that I'd be like, all right, guys, you know the fucking drill. Like, let's go, pay up, pay up, pay up. And then um, they would become so popular that people would stop going to like Annie's and uh, what else was over there? Moe's. Moe's. 
And people would just come to my place. And so I'd literally hire like these big football player kids to be bouncers outside of my place. And I'd charge like three, four dollars, like whatever, make a donation. But you could make money. Yeah. Yeah. So I started making money out of my house parties. That's fucking smart. <laughs> Charging at the door. I like that though. Oh God. You're like I'm going to have these parties anyway. Yeah. I had that entrepreneurial spirit in me right from the get go. And then when when did you when we met we met we were both working at the same place video game testing <laughs> yeah um and that was right before it was I hadn't done stand up yet but when did you start doing stuff in entertainment like uh, whether it was blogs or videos or mu- like when did you you're like you know what I could fucking so there's it, something here yeah it started with the gaming industry I remember I started working in the gaming industry right after my European tour I like super random went on this crazy european tour with this german like electronica boy band also another story for another time but uh then i i got back to montreal didn't know what to do with myself <laughs> got a job at subway uh on how was su- that it was it was cool i started selling hash also while i was at the subway again entrepreneur yeah, so I'd have this, I called it I called it the golden glory because the hash was like golden, yellowy color. It looked like gold and it would like bubble when you light it. Uh, anyway, whatever. So I had this like mechanism going on at the subway where I was drug dealing. I'm not going to say which one. I was about to say which one. Anyway. Um, well, don't worry. The, go- the government followed suit. Years later, they started selling hash too. <laughs> exactly. It was on Sherbrooke and DeCary. Um, <laughs> what the hell was I getting at? Yeah, I got into the gaming industry. And then from there, that's when my buddy Steve actually was like, hey, you've got this like persona about you. I'm affiliated with Montreal Comic Con. Uh, my buddy Steve at the time, before he started pursuing music, had this company called The Gamer Nerds, which was like a news entertainment, like YouTube video thing uh delivering gaming news on you know new games new consoles specs all of that stuff and so I he hired me and then that kind of like exploded and then I got heavily associated with Montreal comic-con and started hosting these crazy panels every year yeah Uh, it's true I fucking remember that yeah yeah so I started doing that uh this year would have been my seventh or eighth year doing that which is so crazy so I'm very grateful for, uh, you know, Cliff and everyone associated at Montreal Comic-Con for even giving me that opportunity because every year our panels would like sell out, mostly because of the title and the context and uh, the content of our panels, which were mostly a sex and race. Like it would be sex and race, gaming and dystopia and like oh how, how women are portrayed in games and violence and culture and you know how black people are portrayed in games and how is that changing and it would like filter and change into like movies and the entertainment industry and the avengers and how that's changing the avengers is bullshit there's nerds yelling i've only been once to comic-con really only last year because my my buddy was uh signing autographs i'm surprised actually i would have i would have pegged you okay i'm gonna rephrase it i'm a huge nerd (laughs) i'm not gonna peg you yeah no 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 pegging I would have thought that you were for sure one of those. That's what everybody told me. <laughs> I'd never been anything. And I wasn't even, it last because my buddy was there. He was signing autographs. So he's like, uh, your name's downstairs. Just go, just come, just come yeah. hang out. 
And I was like, all right, I'll come. And then I went and I went too early. So I was like, I'm not going to, you know, he's, cause he had a huge fucking lineup like in front of him, like to, to sign shit. So you're not going to go bust people's balls. So I started hanging out with random people. I met some kids playing Pokemon and, uh, I was just talking to them about Pokemon. I was like, so what's, how do you guys play Pokemon? Like, how does this card game work? And then, uh, kids that were playing Magic the Gathering and stuff. And I, yeah. And I was like, how does this work? And then there was kids playing Magic. The kids playing Magic, I was fucking having a blast with them because I was making fun of them, but in a, in a, in a good way. And, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Don't knock Magic the Gathering. No, no, I like Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I was just, just because they were kids and I was just having fun with them. And I was like, so Evanson, your parents just drop you off here and you just fuck around? And then they're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And then we walk, oh, but there's all these fucking weirdos. You're telling me none of these guys are pedophiles. And I was like, yo, there's jokes you shouldn't tell kids to scare them. But I was like, but there are a lot of weirdos here. Oh, like, for sure. Are actually. we not in agreement that there's fucking weirdos here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So then when I was done, I go, see, he's like, you know, what have you been up to? And I was like, I was hanging out with some kids. They were playing uh, card games. We were talking about pedophiles. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what the You're fuck? officially one of those weirdos. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? What, what, are, what are you doing? But it was fun. But yeah, or else I wouldn't have gone. But it's just because I was invited. I said, okay, I'll go hang out. It wasn't as what I expected. There's just a lot of booths of people selling shit mostly. Yeah. It's a lot of booths, a lot of, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's how my hosting career started was through the gaming industry. And then that kind of propelled into MTL blog, which lasted a fleeting moment. And I don't want to get into Is that shit still around. I think so. I Is think it okay that I hate it? I don't, sorry. I like burped. You're probably going to pick that up. Whatever. Is it okay um, that I hate the uh, Montreal blog? I don't like them. Yeah. I just felt like all the shit they were writing was bullshit. It was a lot of clickbaity nonsense. Yeah, I did not have a great experience with them. Okay, so they were also assholes. Me, I thought it was just they didn't know how to do news. Yeah. I don't know I how mean, they are behind the scenes. I'm not into like burning, br I mean, that bridge has already been fucking done, been crumbled. Yeah, you used to do videos and shit with them. What the fuck yeah, happened? Yeah, I remember I was like 19 or, no, I must have been 20. I must have been 20 and they were offering me my, my very own show called The Spill. Nice. And it was me and Alex Melky. Uh, sounds we familiar. He's also a, a host, an entertainment host and personality. Cool dude. He's actually still, you know, I have nothing bad to say about about Alex. We've we've worked we've worked together. So cool dude. All right, that's good. Very opportunistic. Uh, but who isn't? Who is, okay, yeah, let's. So anyway, whatever. I just felt like they completely took advantage of me because I was young and naive, and they were, you know, talking big things, big money. Essentially, the show was called The Spill, and I was like 20 years old, like reviewing sex toys online. What? In hindsight, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> oh my God. So you review, that's pretty funny though, but. And like talking about like restaurants and what to do on Valentine's Day and like relationship kind of thing and like taking in questions online and. It was very cheeky, very like young, you know. Did anybody flirty. ever comment? What do you know about relationships? You're a goddamn child. <laughs> no, actually, because the, <laughs> the demographic was also my age. Ah, there you go. So it was just very young, and it, it was fun, and it was it was great because I got to you know again have experience and learn and grow from that. But it was a very sharky situation. And I, I just got completely screwed in the end and didn't make anything out oh. of it, didn't get anything out of it. And in the end, my relationship with them has kind of just like gone down the drain. It was very fleeting, honestly. And then after that, uh, they got into so much shit for like having shitty editors or contributors. Yeah, or it's just garbage writers, stuff, just I remember. Ripping people off, just clickbaity bullshit that hasn't been 
you know. And I wanted to support them because edited. it's from here. Yeah, I like support same, local. Same. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, there's a new thing. It's growing. Until, and then, like, why is everything they write stupid? You know, some of this is really not fact-checked. I, I remember I would, majority of it is I would read articles and it was riddled with spelling and grammatical errors. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck this shit. Like, not only is it wrong, but it's grammatically and, you know, there's there's miss... I go, no one's... Fu- there's no spell check at this goddamn place. So after a while, it started to piss me off. And then I think I noticed a couple of stuff that I knew was wrong. They would basically write false stuff on yeah. rumors or whatever. And I was like, I know this is a lie. And it would just piss me off. And then I gave up and I said, fuck this. Yeah, they were just... And I think they've changed now because now they've expanded into... I haven't heard about them in Nar- forever. So now they're called Narcity, which okay. I think is the parent company which is everywhere across Canada in every province. Is it different? Is it good? Is it woo? I don't know. I personally do not like to look into their stuff. Click. Yeah. Their okay. Stuff. I haven't seen any of the shit, so I don't know. <laughs> to each their own people. Again, I don't want to say anything, whatever. I'm sure their intentions were good, but they were sloppy. They were sloppy and careless in the beginning, which is why they, they got heat for it. And uh, I think you it know, was a, just a thing that happens when, like, they were young, because they were young, I guess, they were the way young. they sounded. And then, you know, something grew so much bigger than they expected. And they fast. wanted to take the shortcuts. Yeah, that's probably what happened. It was just money, 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 of course. That's, that's all it ever is. And God they just screwed a lot of people along the way, myself included. But no harm, no foul. Here I am today. Look at me now. You made it. <laughs> you made it, kid. I'm with Pantelis in the studio. Oh, this is a good studio. This it's is a dope studio. I'm so proud of you. Do you feel comfortable? I'm so comfy. That's what I want. That's the feel I want people to have here. Yeah, I'm really comfy. It's uh, nice and warm in here. I even have to take off my jacket. Right? I don't want it to feel... breathe. Yeah, I don't want it to feel very... Um, You've been on set, you know, when there's people, like, let's say for, like, the local news, for example, you know, you feel there's too many people around and shit like that. Yeah, and the lights, for me, it's the lights, and I even, I gotta say, like, your lights, they're warm. Yeah. They're warm, they're not too invasive, I don't feel like I've got a fucking spotlight on me. Yeah, I hate doing this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not sweating bullets or anything. No, no, this is, I, I like to keep the climate in here. Mm. Pretty fucking nice. My pH levels are... Top notch. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I make it comfortable. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? Where, where do you want people to fucking find you? Okay, so, um, I mean, essentially my my Instagram is my end-all, be-all. It's okay. how I get most of my gigs these days. It's where you can find the majority of my work and my portfolio. And uh, I'm a jack of all trades when it comes to the, to the entertainment industry. You know, I attest to this. This is true. I dabble in all. Uh, what is it called? Uh, master of none. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, is it uh, Jack of all trades, master of none? Yeah, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm having fun and I'm loving it. And, you know, I'm back from California. I'm living in my new swanky apartment in the plateau. And here's to hoping I can just keep affording it. So hire me. And, uh, yeah, you, you can find me on, on Instagram. Uh, essentially, it's really creepy. Have you tried Googling yourself recently? Me? No. <gasps> Man. What'd you find? An old orgy I took part. No, I'm kidding. Oh, fuck. I thought you Googled me and you felt some crazy when the way you no, said no, it. I was no, like, no, what no, the no. fuck happened? No, I mean, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I- Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, or, I don't like Googling myself. Yeah, f- find me on Facebook, just uh, at Jess Abrin, J-E-S-S-A-B-R-A-N. Oh. I'm way ahead of you, board. kid. You don't got to say anything because everything's in the description. Everything's easily linked. Oh, well, shit. What kind of amateur hour do you think you're <laughs> fucking dealing with here? Yeah, everything's easy. In the description, uh, Instagram, there's links to the YouTubes. There's links everywhere. Ooh. Yeah. It's oh easy. God. There's some content of me on YouTube that is <laughs> apprehensible. Questionable? 
Oh, yeah. Question, is it reviewing sex toy questionable? You can probably find my old MTL blog show on YouTube, unless they pulled it. But, yeah, it's probably still up there. Was it a good show, though? Was it entertaining? I'd have to go back and see it. I mean, they thought it was good at the time. I was having fun with it at the time. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't even know what, what happened with that. But I'm very happy not to be associated with them anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I've never been associated with them. I, I, I've been critical of them for years. I, yeah. I didn't like them. I didn't even know that they upgraded or whatever. Hopefully, things are going well for them. <laughs> they I don't upgraded want it. Or I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want. Uh, you know, people lose their jobs. I want them to do well. But I hope yeah, they're. Same. I hope it's not clickbaity shit that it used to be. Who Probably knows? is though. Probably is though. And you know what? I'm not going to find out because I'm not going to uh, look into that. Oh yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Me neither. Jess Abram. Click on the links. Don't fuck around. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.